Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. So pleased to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we have an interesting item. We just procured this as it takes up a lot of space. We've moved this, if you follow me, to the back of the shop where we have a little more room. Now, some people build model train sets with very ornate landscapes and rail stops, bridges and tunnels. Uh, some people actually do model towns. And that is what we have here. If you'll look at this, this is a model of a town somewhere in the Midwest. Very rural, very quaint. If you'll notice that one over there with the bell tower and the miniature bell in it. But if you'll notice something very peculiar, some of the lawns have circles burnt into them where it looks almost as if the uh, fake grass is dead. I almost wonder if that is the result of these saucer-shaped discs hanging from wires over this town. And that reminds me of a new film that has come out on Hulu this past Friday. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new Hulu original, No One Will Save You. So No One Will Save You, as I said, a movie that came out this past Friday. It's a movie I've been kind of looking forward to. I mean, I knew it was coming out on Hulu, and I'm always interested when Hulu has original movies, although outside of like a couple, uh, outside of Prey, outside of the new Hellraiser reboot, uh, a lot of them just seem very preachy and very much made for a modern audience that... Uh, may or may not put a preachy message ahead of the story and the horror uh, when it comes to horror films or sci-fi or fantasy. But this is a film that uh, I knew was coming out. I was, you know, in reading the synopsis, I was interested in it. When I saw the trailer, the trailer gives things away. But it only gives so much, and it is so much more than what it gives away in the, the, in the trailer. And when I saw the trailer, I thought, oh, if the movie is as creepy as this, then I'm going to be very satisfied. And after watching the movie, the movie was as creepy as the trailer set it up to be. But even more so. I mean, it just had so many more layers and so many more levels. And the fact that they did this movie in the way that they did it was just kind of mind-blowing. It's not the typical movie that you would expect from 20th Century Studios. I understand why they didn't make this a theatrical release. Because I think it's too different for a theatrical audience. But... Releasing this on Hulu or any other streaming service, I think, was the smart way to go. Because I think a, a streaming audience that's sitting watching this at home is going to be able to appreciate. Now, not everybody's going to appreciate the way that they filmed this movie. But for me, it was so different. 
and so not your typical big studio film that I was intrigued just by that fact. You know, as this movie kept going and kept going, and I'm like, really, they're going to do this. They're going for this in this way. And and I'll get into that in the spoilery section. I'm trying not to be too spoilery right now. But uh, the more it went on, the more I'm like, oh my God, they're really going for it like this. And I have to say, I was impressed. And it drew so many, well, not so many, but really drew a comparison to to one of my favorite Twilight Zone episodes. And the fact that they they did it in this way, and I, I don't know if it was an homage to that or if it was just coincidence, but that I drew a lot from that. And this took what... I love about so many different, and, and if you've watched the trailer, you know this is about uh, home invasion, uh, dealing with aliens, and it really delved a lot into some of the things I love about Close Encounters of the Third Kind, signs, like I said, that particular Twilight Zone episode that I, I don't want to mention that because that may give away what makes this movie so unique, but you get a lot of those great sci-fi alien movies uh, that that have a, a hint of horror to them that are, are just so wonderful. And this really felt like it drew from a lot of those, whether it is intentionally or not intentionally, but uh, writer-director Brian Duffield, uh, I thought did a really good job with this movie. Again, much like the movie we talked about on Monday, and I think even the one we're going to talk about in the bonus episode, I don't know if it's already come out or if it's coming out tomorrow. I figured either Wednesday or Friday I was going to talk about the angry black girl and her monster. But uh, I, I think all three of these films suffered from some pacing issues. I think this is the one that suffered from the pacing issues the most. But like I said, this was such an engaging idea of how to do a movie like this that... I didn't care. And there was a mystery created that was revealed late enough and and kept me holding on to find out that, you know, I I wasn't bored. I was at various points, uh, especially once we got into the third act. I'm like, oh, they're going to keep going. Oh, nope, this isn't the end. They're going to keep going. (laughs) And and at one point I'm like, oh, this is the point where they're probably going to do this. And sure enough, they did that. And But I didn't mind. It, it didn't bother me because it was done in such an interesting way. And like I said, with so many of those great homages to, to other alien sci-fi abduction, maybe invasion is the better way to describe it. Some of those great alien invasion movies and that... Uh, I, I didn't care if it felt like it was a little long in some points. At some point, I was like, uh, you know what? I don't care if it's going longer. I, I'm really interested in what I'm watching, even though it is only an hour and 33 minutes long. And that I'm sure, I don't know if that's with or without the credits, but it was engaging enough that even when it had pacing issues, I didn't care because I was really engrossed in what I was seeing on the screen. And of course, uh, the main actress in this, uh, Caitlin Deaver, which uh, an actress I'm not entirely familiar with. I mean, I, I remember her from that first episode 
of Monsterland, which you can see on Hulu as well. And then she was one on one of the later episodes, I think the last episode of that season of Monsterland. Uh, she's a good actress. She's done some other things. You know, she's been in Curb Your Enthusiasm. She's been in The Mentalist. She's been in Last Man Standing. Nothing that I've really watched. Dope Sick. Uh, I think she's been nominated for awards for that. But... Uh, uh, a, a mini series that I haven't watched, but I did see her in Monsterland. So that's really kind of where I knew her from. And she does such a great job with this. And I'll, I'll get into the details of what I think about her performance, given the, the way it was handled with this movie in the spoiler section. But uh, she does a wonderful job with this. And I, I don't know if she should be up for any award for this movie, but I wouldn't think anything of it if she was. Because... And again, I'll expand on that once we get into the spoiler section. But if you haven't watched No One Will Save You, go watch it on Hulu. If you love science fiction, if you love alien invasion, alien intruder movies, uh, home invasion movies, if you like your science fiction with a little bit of a horror edge to it, you're going to love this movie. And and I absolutely loved it. It's, it's another one. Kind of like what we talked about on Monday with It Lives Inside that I really am excited to watch it again to see if there were things that I missed. Because it does seem like a movie that you, you could have missed some things. Or being able to watch it knowing now what what I know, having seen it all the way through and see if I could have picked up on some things uh, earlier on in the movie. I, I'm really excited to watch this again. And if you haven't watched it for the first time, go watch it. Check it out on Hulu. But uh, from here on out, we are going to get into some spoiler territory. So if you haven't watched it, go check out No One Will Save You on Hulu and then come back and see what my thoughts are on this really brilliant movie. So for the most part with this movie, it's a very simple movie and you are following this movie from the perspective of our main character, uh, Bryn Adams, played by Caitlin Deaver. And I was so shocked when I'm watching this movie, and, and this is probably one of the big things that makes this movie so much different from, from a lot of other movies. Like I said, this really draws from a lot of inspiration, I think, from Close Encounters of the Third Kind, from Signs, even that Amazon original movie, The Vast of Night. But this movie, I think one of the, one of the, it's not even a movie, it's an episode of the Twilight Zone. I think this movie draws heavily from the, episode of the Twilight Zone, The Invaders, with Agnes Moorhead, where you have this woman living a primitive life on you know this, this deserted area, and all of a sudden this flying saucer shows up, and these two little robot-looking things come out and start, uh, they start fighting. And I think where you draw the biggest comparison of that is the fact that no dialogue is ever spoken in that whole episode of the Twilight Zone. You hear Agnes Moorhead's character grunting and groaning and sighing and whimpering and, and things like that, but you don't get any actual dialogue from her until the very end when you hear that the invaders are actually human astronauts sent from Earth discovering this planet of giants. Uh, you get that line of dialogue towards the end. And this is very much like that. I am about 20 minutes in and I haven't heard a, a word spoken. Now, there are a couple, like if you've got closed captioning on, 
which I do sometimes because sometimes, you know, it's so hard anymore to judge where the volume should be because movies, the dialogue is all really low and then all the sound effects and the score are really loud. And especially if you're watching on something like Hulu where you might get a commercial in the middle of it, the commercials sometimes are really loud. So I always like to keep the volume at an acceptable level for my wife and I have the closed captions on. So if I do miss something because it's not quite loud enough, I can at least see it on the screen. So if you're watching with closed captions on, you will hear or you will see like where somebody in the background says something and you can catch it briefly but uh but it's not anything necessarily on screen it's not dialogue that is spoken between characters that are on screen and that is where i think this movie really draws a lot i i I hope it was an homage to that episode of the twilight zone the invaders because if they did it's brilliant it's one of my favorite episodes of the twilight zone agnes moorhead is wonderful in that and i i draw a lot of comparisons between her performance and the performance of Caitlin Deaver because uh, the Bryn character, you know, 20 minutes in and I'm like, oh my God, I haven't heard a single word. Is it going to be like the invaders? And the more it's going on and the more that's happening, I haven't heard a single word of dialogue spoken. I'm like, oh my God, they're doing this. They're doing this whole movie without any dialogue which i thought is is one it's bold it's brave it is not something that you see a lot of i mean every once in a while you'll see a movie where you might not get any dialogue half hour in 45 minutes in but eventually they break and start you know, you get some dialogue but this is a movie where yeah it's not until they have that she has that flashback scene and then has the I don't know if it is a vision or some sort of hallucination where she sees her her old best friend that she was involved with something that happened to her. Uh, I'll get into the details on that. I don't want to rush into that right now, but she utters the words, I'm sorry, Maud, I'm sorry. I think that's all she says, like five words. And that is the only bit of on-screen dialogue that you get in this movie. And to me, that is such a, a bold choice by Brian Duffield to, to do a movie this way. And, and to me, it was a bold choice because this is a 20th Century Studios film. This is a big time production company. And for them to agree... Now, I understand why they went the streaming release route as opposed to a theatrical release route because I think the bulk of the mass audiences that will go out and see a movie in the movie theaters probably aren't going to get it, probably aren't going to enjoy it. But you get the the tried and true horror fans, the tried and true science fiction fans that, that love this sort of shit and will get that this is kind of an homage to the invaders on the Twilight Zone. They're going to eat that up. And I think they're going to be the ones that, that find this movie on Hulu. So I understand why they... They didn't make this a theatrical release, and I hope the people that do watch it on Hulu appreciate it for for what it is and for what it's trying to embody. And ultimately, this movie goes down like a, I, I wouldn't say a traditional uh, alien home invasion movie, but like there's a lot of the trailer 
that happens like within the first half hour of this movie, maybe 45 minutes of this movie, uh, you get that initial home invasion that you see a lot of those scary scenes. And, and I sat there and watched this movie. My wife is sitting beside me on the couch. She's, you know, she's got her, her head in her phone. She's not watching this because she doesn't care for stuff like this. And, and even she's like, uh, just by the sounds of that, that sounds scary. And I said, it was, I mean, it gave me chills watching some of these scenes because for me, and I, I've made no bones about this. I've, I've done some episodes where I've talked about how alien invasion, alien home invasion movies are to me, some of the creepiest, scariest things be just because of the unknown factor of what aliens might be capable of. And this, they really dial into the telekinesis aspect of, of what people have uh, allegedly experienced with aliens or will possibly experience with aliens. There's a lot of supposition there, but uh, the telekinesis aspect is a, is a frightening you know, to not have control over what your body does is a frightening prospect. And, you know, that that leans into to social issues of today. It leans into uh, horror issues of this movie. But uh, however you want to take that, uh, I, I think that is a frightening prospect to not have control over your own body. And and I think that is where some true horror comes from. And, and they dial into that with this, with these aliens, with this telekinesis power. And that first initial home invasion is like I said, some of the scariest shit that I've seen in a long time, especially when it comes to an alien home invasion type movie. We don't get a ton of those these days. It used to be pretty standard fare. And and I'm going to talk about, it's maybe not home invasion, but alien abduction. This year is the 30th anniversary of Fire in the Sky with D.B. Sweeney and Robert Patrick. Uh, wonderful alien abduction movie. And I'm hopefully going to do a Be Kind Rewind on that sometime throughout the month of October. Uh, see if I can fit that in somewhere because it does delve into the horror of an alien abduction movie. But I like that first scene. It had a lot of scary stuff in it. I liked how, you know, that kind of cat and mouse with her sneaking around, trying not to be caught by this alien that's inside of her house. She doesn't know whether it knows she's there. And then the way she kills this alien, how it's almost by accident. And and it, it all felt very real. Like, you know, how she kind of caught this alien off guard before it could use its powers. And they, and they play into that later where she has uh, this, this second home invasion and by multiple alien entities. And she goes to try and sneak up on this alien and it knows she's there and does a little flip of its hand and slams her against the wall. And it just, uh, it, it was a great setup and I'm like, oh, she's going to kill this one by sneaking up on it. And no, she did not because it knew she was coming. I, I love how it kind of subverted the expectation I had that they had already set up earlier in the movie. Now, I think I've put the cart a little before the horse because I, I'm so excited about all the, the, the really good storytelling and good scares they had in this for an alien invasion movie uh, that I really didn't talk about this character. And I think... I alluded to some of the character beats that we get with the Bryn Adams character, but we meet this character, Bryn Adams, played by Caitlin Deaver, and 
she is, you know, she seems very happy and upbeat. And, you know, we, we meet her around her house and she's sewing things and mailing the people. But then once she goes into town, the happiness goes away because she gets dirty looks from all these residents. She gets dirty looks from people when she goes to visit her mother's grave uh, at the cemetery. She you know, runs across two people that she's afraid of that we find out later are the the parents of her her old best friend, Maud. That, uh, well, we'll get into that, but uh, she is the town pariah, and you don't know why. And they set this up. You know, this is kind of the B story for this movie. I mean, the A is her dealing with these aliens that are they're invading her hometown, invading her home. Uh, and at the time, we don't even know about the whole town. We just know about her home. But, uh, but this B story about why everybody in the town hates her. And we see her writing a letter to someone named Maude and saying how she misses her and how... She can't forgive herself. So you know something happened. She did something. And then we she finds herself at that second cemetery later on where you see this grave for Maud, Maud Collins, and her life, 2000 to 2012. You know she died young. She died at 11 or 12 years old, depending on the time of year. And I think that's one of the things that really keep you going throughout this movie that kind of keep you going through... The, the moments that feel a little slow, feel like things are kind of dragging out a little bit. Even even there at the end, when you you kind of get to a point where you think, okay, this is the end. Oh, no, they're going to keep going. Oh, this is the end. Nope, no, we're going to keep going. A very Lord of the Rings about the uh, climax of this movie. But uh, when you finally get that revelation, when she's up in the spacecraft and they're probing her mind, and you finally get that revelation that her and Maud had some sort of disagreement and Maud shoves her as a child and she gets up and she kind of Cain enables her. Uh, she, she grabs a rock and bashes her in the head with it. And you know that it must have killed Maud and she's been ostracized and a town pariah for all of her life because of something she did as a child, uh, something that none of the adults could get past. There's that scene where she goes into town and she's going to the police station to tell them about this invasion, these aliens that invaded her house, and she's got a dead one lying in the foyer. Uh, she goes in there and finds the police chief and his wife, who happened to be the parents of Maud, and you know they all look like they go to say something, but they stop. Because there is no dialogue in this movie. And then the mother spits on her. And the father looks like he may be a little more forgiving. But he can't bring himself to say anything. And they, they both leave. And and it just... They did a really good job with creating this mystery of why she is the town pariah. And you have all these little notes that you, you figure something had to happen. But you never get all the pieces completely connected to that big revelation there at the end. And you're like, oh, that is why. And then, then you start to understand, you know, why couldn't these people get past this? So, you know, Maud died in 2012. This is 2023. I'm assuming that's when this has taken place. Uh, the, the Bryn character, I have to imagine, is somewhere around the age of... Caitlin Deaver, who is 26 years old, and enough time has passed that why couldn't these adults get past 
and, and, and forgive what happened to their, you know, this, it was, she was a child when this happened. So there's a lot of interesting things going on and at play there. But then when you mix that in with this alien invasion, it just it's made for a very intriguing story that it had so many things. You know, this alien invasion, what's going on? How far are they going to go with this? How does it tie in with this mystery as to what happened to Maud and and what did Bryn what part did Bryn play in it? It was a it was enough that like I said, even in those dull moments, even in those moments where the the pacing kind of lagged a little bit, I was still intrigued by what's going on. And then of course, when you really get into those those second and those later invasion scenes, my God, did it get creepy? Uh, the the second home invasion where. Bryn knows she's not going to get any from help from the cops. She's not going to get any help from any of the the townsfolk. No one will save her. So she's got to do things on her own. And, and I really thought she was setting it up to kind of home alone their ass. Uh, you know, she's putting water on the stove to boil and like, oh, she's going to toss some boiling water on somebody. She, she tacks up a blanket over the busted out door. And I thought, you know, there's going to be more of a plan. Well, there was no plan. <laughs> But I liked how the the movie introduced various types of aliens. You know, you had the, the tall, slender ones with the big black eyes, but then you had these smaller ones. They're shorter, but with longer arms, and they're almost more like attack dogs, more manic and violent, trying to, to, to bite at her. Uh, that was interesting. Uh, these big, huge, tall ones that... Uh, they did some, like a couple creepy reveals. The one she's walking outside, she's escaped the house, and all of a sudden you just you notice this little thing up on top of the roof line of the barn. I'm like, oh, that's that's got to be the head of one of these things. And all of a sudden it stands up and and it's got these long, spindly, almost like praying mantis like arms. And the thing is gigantic. And then later on, you get an even bigger one before they abduct her. And I, I liked how they did interesting things. It wasn't all just one type of alien, but they all kind of came from the same source. And, and it reminded me of The Mist with Frank Darabont and, and even more so what Greg Nicotero and his special effects team did with all the creatures from the mist. In in the short story from Stephen King, they're all described very differently. But they decided to take all these creatures and do versions of them that all looked like they came from the same gene pool. And I thought that was an interesting take in the mist, the movie. And, and they kind of did a, a very similar thing here where... All these different types of aliens, they all come from the same gene pool, but they're all a little different in varying ways, probably to serve varying purposes of the alien overlords. But I think some of the creepiest scenes didn't even really involve the aliens because uh, there's a scene where she's riding her bike into town and you get this drone shot from overhead where she's driving down this old country road lined by trees but off to the sides you see the yards of all these rural houses and you see these these circles of dead grass in everyone's yard and they established earlier that she had one in her yard it has something to do with the the spaceships uh, beaming somebody down or landing or, or whatever you want to call it but she already had one of these circles of dead grass in her yard that you knew 
had to come from the aliens, had to come from the spaceships. And as she's riding her bike down this road and you're passing all these various uh, yards, you're starting to see more of these circles. And on the bus ride, when she's trying to get out of town and she's on this bus and they do another one of those big overhead shots and you're seeing more and more of these circles that these aliens are are all over the place taking over this town. She rides past people's houses and sees them outside and they're all kind of uh, looking to the skies and they have these really weird tentacly things underneath the skin in their throats. It was all very disturbing. Again, kind of uh, an invasion of the body snatchers feel to that as well. And of course, it's established that these these tentacly creatures in their throat are controlling these people. And, and they use that to some varying degree with trying to capture her and, and do the same for her. It, it led to one of the more quasi-confusing scenes. I, I get it. I just don't know if you needed it because Bryn gets captured by one of the aliens. They go to put this this thing down her throat. That's, I think, where she has the hallucination of Maud. And she says, I'm sorry, Maud. I'm sorry. The only lines of dialogue in the movie. And then she reaches down her throat and then it flashes to real life and not this hallucination where she pulls this creature out of her throat. And then all of a sudden the alien ship beams down something on this tentacly creature and it turns into a clone of Bryn. And then they have the, the little bit of a chase scene and they stab each other. And, but Bryn kills this, this clone of herself. And then that's when you get the, the ginormous alien and then she's zapped up into the spaceship, uh, which is where we get the, the great reveal of what happened between Bryn and Maud, why she is this town pariah. And I kind of like this, you know, I thought it was going to have kind of a nihilistic ending, kind of what I hope for Angry Black Girl and her monster. Uh, again, I don't know whether this airing on Thursday if you've even heard that episode yet, if it's going to be tomorrow on Friday or if I post it on Wednesday, we remain to be seen. I was kind of expecting a more nihilistic ending for that as well. But this one, I kind of expected it to have like a, a down ending, like a tragic ending for this character. And especially when you find out that she's been, uh, you know, she's been this town pariah. She has been blackballed by this town for something she did as a 12 year old. And that there's been no forgiveness and no grace for this child who's now still only 26 and still very young. And I, I just, I thought it was going to have a really bad ending for this character and end tragically. But they did something very odd with this that I wasn't sure how I felt about it at first. But the more I think about it, the more I sit on it, the more I liked it. It showed a bit of empathy from these aliens. They've probed her mind. They found out what she did as a child that has caused her to be uh, the town, you know, outcast for all these years. So instead of reimplanting her with one of these control things, they let her go. And she wakes up in her bed and everything's normal. And they let her live in this town where she is kind of uh, in, not in control of all these people who have these alien creatures inside of them controlling them but they are subservient to her and 
she's having fun with all her neighbors. That's, that's all she's ever wanted was just to be accepted and to be able to, to live life and dance and have cookouts. And, you know, she's been deprived of this all her life ever since she was 12 years old and made this horrible mistake. And the fact that now she, you know, these aliens uh, showed sympathy towards her and empathy, and they're now letting her live the life that she should have had with all these alien-controlled people. It, it was bizarre and odd, and it just somehow made sense because it, it gave these alien invaders a little bit of context, a little bit of layer to them, a little bit of nuance to them. They're not just these alien overlords looking to subjugate humanity uh, with no feeling or no care nor concern for, you know, the comings and goings of we tiny insignificant humans. They, they actually showed sympathy towards her and they were empathetic towards what she had gone through and were willing to, to give her a life she hadn't known. Uh, no, who's to tell where this would end up if they'll eventually subjugate her and shove one of those things down her throat. But just, I, I loved that ending where she's having this party with all these people, all these neighbors. Uh, they, they've got the little things squiggling around in their throat. And then the, the camera pans up to the sky and you see all of these alien spacecrafts, these flying saucers hovering over this town and you have to imagine uh eventually if not already hovering over the rest of the world but yeah like i said ultimately i really did like this movie it did have some pacing issues at the end because like i said uh you know they're towards that climax at like okay this is where it's going to end and no it didn't end there oh no this is where it's going to end no it didn't end there we're going to keep going oh i bet you well if they're going to keep going are they eventually going to go up into the spacecraft take her up there well yeah they do that they take her up to the spacecraft it just felt like the end kept going and going and going like the energizer bunny but ultimately i i think it all still worked because it was all still interesting and intriguing enough and once you realize you had to do all that to get to the end that you needed to get to which i did ultimately enjoy and did still have kind of a twilight zone quality to it where the the aliens win and humanity is doomed, but for this one lost soul of uh, Bryn Adams, she gets to live happily ever after, which is a, it's a very Twilight Zone style twist to it that that I absolutely adore. And I, I love stuff like that. And I have to tip my hat to Brian Duffield because he did a really good job with this movie. He was the writer of it. He was the director of it. He's most known for writing. He He's written several things. He uh, wrote the Insurgent movie and the Divergent series. Uh, he wrote Babysitter, Killer Queen. Well, no, he didn't write that. He was an executive producer on that. Uh, he wrote uh, Love and Monsters. He was a producer on Cocaine Bear. He was a writer and producer on Skull Island, the animated uh, King Kong thing on Netflix. And he wrote, directed, and produced this uh, No One Will Save You. So this only the second feature he has directed. The only other one he wrote is kind of like a comedic, horror, romantic, black comedy, uh, spontaneous 
which I, I, I haven't seen that one. I don't really know much about it. That's the only other uh, feature he's directed, but I, I can't wait to see more. I mean, some of the stuff that he's written, I, I've heard of, I've not watched, but uh, just judging by this, this was really unique and this was really intriguing. And the story without any dialogue was so bizarre and really added to the otherworldliness of it. You just, you felt uncomfortable the whole time. Maybe not uncomfortable, unnerved a little bit. I think it's probably a better way of stating it. It was unnerving not to have any dialogue. In the same way that The Invaders was a little bit unnerving to not have any dialogue during that on that on that episode of The Twilight Zone. So I, I think that's brilliant. And even without dialogue, it was a really good story. And like I said, it, it meandered a little bit and it felt a little long and drawn out, especially there towards the end. But ultimately, it served the purpose of the ending. And and I really enjoyed that. I thought that was really an interesting twist to this movie that this movie needed. And and I loved the, the B story. It was a, enough of a mystery that that kept me engaged as well. And he got a, a masterful performance out of Caitlin Deaver. Because for her to carry this whole movie without uttering a word, except for, like I said, that one line or, you know, uh, five words there towards the end, uh, she commanded this movie just by facial expressions and the animated way she did things. And I was captivated by it. And, uh, you know, you got to credit her because she did the performance. But I also have to credit Brian Duffield for coaxing that out of her because I think between the two of them, uh, they, they did a, ma- a fantastic job of, of putting this character on the screen and making this character engaging enough without having to utter a single word. And, you know, while Brian Duffield should get some credit for that as a director, uh, I also have to give wonderful props to uh, Caitlin Deaver, who... I mean, she just proved that she doesn't need to utter a single line to command a screen in a movie. And I think, if anything, that should be enough to have people in in Hollywood knocking down her door to get her on the screen as a as a lead in their story. Because I, I think she did a, an amazing job on a movie that, I mean, that's that's an out there idea. For them to not have any dialogue and for her to accept that uh, and the challenge of that, I think, is a, was a bold move on Brian Duffield's part. Uh, also a bold move on her part to, to accept this and take it and own it and really excel at, at what she put on the screen. And a wonderful job. And, and I have to t- say the effects. Now, for the most part, it is a lot of CG effects. The aliens, there were some moments where the aliens looked really good. There were some moments where the aliens looked okay. Never did it feel bad. I mean, there may have been a couple. I think the the aliens that, that had the short ones with the long arms and the teeth that were almost like rabid dogs chasing, uh, because they moved so fast, I think you really caught that they were CG there. But the other slower moving ones, uh, the regular aliens, the big ones that move slow, uh, well, slow-ish, 
those felt a little more real. And like I said, even when the CG wasn't great, it wasn't bad. I think the the smaller ones, just because they moved quicker, I think you could tell a little more that it was CG. I mean, the CG wasn't great, uh, but it wasn't bad. I, I thought for the most part, the CG was pretty good. And even at its worst, it was okay. So that to me didn't bother me. I, I liked a lot of the effects with the telekinesis that all felt really weird it felt like it had weight to it i don't know how much of the effects were practical and how much were were cg but uh but i was really happy with all the effects uh, none of the effects really took me out of the movie and for a science fiction alien home invasion movie with hints of horror to it they really knocked it out of the park i mean this this felt like a big budget movie and I don't even know. I think what they say the budget was like 20, almost $23 million. That's estimated. It felt a lot bigger than that. And and given the fact that the you know 20th Century Studios is behind this, it felt like this could have been a theatrical release. Uh, it just for the fact that it was a little out there for, for the typical populist theater audience uh, where, you know, they're not going to dig a movie that only has one line of dialogue. <laughs> I, I just, uh, I, I think this is more, uh, this movie, it would have been cool to see it on a big screen, but I think it needs the intimacy of people who love this genre, science fiction, horror, and can sit in their own home with the lights out and be afraid to go take the dog out after after dark because of what might be looming in the skies above. Uh, I think this movie was was better than just a streaming release, but I understand that this streaming release probably was the best vehicle for this. And for a Hulu original, I, I have to say, like I said, uh, outside of a handful of movies, I've been relatively dissatisfied with a lot of Hulu originals. Prey, uh, the Hellraiser, I, I enjoyed that well enough. Uh, Fresh, I thought was really good. Uh, you know, some of the more recent Hulu original movies that have come out. Uh, but everything else just seems very preachy, very cookie cutter. But this, man, I got to add this. No one will save you uh, to the list of the really good, if not great, movies that have come out on Hulu. And... Again, uh, a movie that I can't wait to to get a second viewing of. And hopefully you got to see it. If you haven't seen it, uh, I probably spoiled a shit ton of stuff for you. But it's even, it's even better than what I described, I think. And there's even more stuff that I really didn't get into. I don't want to sit here and talk about it play by play. But, uh, but go watch it. If you haven't watched, no one will save you. I think you're really going to like this. Especially if you are a sci-fi and horror fan it kind of blurs the line between those like so many of the greats like signs like close encounters of the third kind so i want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on no one will save you check it out now on hulu and don't forget to check out odds bodkins curiosity shop on our social media platforms uh, facebook and instagram we're always posting uh, things about horror fantasy and science fiction and uh, no matter where you listen to this podcast please like subscribe follow it whatever it calls it on your platform of choice do that that way you can stay up to date with all the new episodes and of course please share this podcast with anyone that you know that loves horror fantasy and science fiction help us spread the word about this podcast get our numbers back up and as always leave those reviews five stars will be awesome but whatever review you leave we do appreciate that so until next time 
Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!